Hello, welcome to Joe Talks Comics. This is the podcast where I talk with friends about the comics we've been reading and drawing lately, plus I catch on a solo episodes and character interviews. This week we've got another really fun creator to chat coming up for you here, as this will be going out in June, Pride Month. This is a really fun conversation about a great LGBTQ plus book that I got to read back in April, when it is when I'm recording this. As the website says for it on fanbasepress.com or you can access it easily through fourcoverheroes.com that will redirect you to the page where you can find out more about the comic. But I thought I'd read the solicit the description for you here. Four Color Heroes an LGBTQ plus upper young adult graphic novel written and illustrated by New Zealand born creator Richard Fairgrey. It is a touching love story which follows two star crossed young men who, in spite of their disparate backgrounds find escape in one another through the pages of a comic book. The coming-of-age romance is set in a New Zealand high school prior to the passing of the Civil Union Act 2004, which allowed same-sex couples to enter into a civil union, and it just says that it will be available in print in the summer of this year, 2023, which it does say towards the end of the interview when asked about it that at the moment, again as late April, they're running ahead of schedule, so it might be available as you're listening to this in June, but if not, then hopefully it'll be out in like mid-July at the latest, I think is the date on the website, July 15th, but it might even be available earlier than that, like I mentioned, so you can go order it or pre-order it, whatever, on the Fanbase Press website, and currently that is the only place you can get it. It will be available digitally though, hopefully, and Apparently, according to Richard, at the end, it will be on Hoopla. So if you're Hoopla, if you're, if you're on Hoopla and you have it through your library, then hopefully you can check it out because I would highly recommend it if you're into, well, all of those things that I mentioned in the, the solicit, like YA graphic novels, um, queer stories, stories which like talk about comic books and how much they mean to us. As like as a medium and just in general, whether that's superheroes or otherwise, I thought it the the list describes it as touching, and I definitely agree with that. I really enjoyed it, and granted, as someone who also is a young gay man, and I said this at the end as well, with a boyfriend, we both like love comics, and I've been able to get him more into comics more and more. It definitely felt very personal to me, and I felt quite I related to it quite a lot. Even I love this story, like, and I love these types of stories as well. Anyway, but yeah, this was a really special read and a special interview, and I really enjoyed talking to Richard for two hours before editing. It'll be a bit less than that after editing, but not necessarily by very much. So yeah, I'll stop uh, rambling on, and you can enjoy the interview. I hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoyed having it and recording it and as always i'll see you on the other side so richard welcome to the podcast i'm excited to have you here to talk about your book four color heroes from fan fan base press i've been reading the advanced um pdf over the past couple of days and i really enjoyed it so yeah getting excited to talk about it thank you i'm glad to hear it so first of all the Comics are a, a very big thing in the book, and not not just in the sense that lots of comics that, that they are comics, so it's obviously going to be important. But 
there's a very sort of important underlying like metatextual there to it with how they're used. So first of all, I was wondering what your personal background was in comics and when you started reading them and all of that sort of thing. Um, well, I actually didn't start reading them until quite late. I uh, I started making comics before I ever read them. I was very much under the impression that like comics were a thing that used to exist because I'd just never seen one in real life. And so when I was a kid, I just started making these comics and then uh, printing them and selling them, thinking that I would become like incredibly rich because I would be the only person left in the entire world who still made what's <laughs> called comics. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't actually ever see a real comic book until I was like maybe 16 years old. Like I think I, by that point I knew they existed, um, but I I just never um, never actually like interacted with one. I mean, I'm, I'm from New Zealand originally and there are four comic stores in the entire country. So it wasn't like easy to, to track them down. But I think one, one thing about like, um, like making comics from, from such a young age is I got very into like, just the form of the comic book. It just, it was a, it was a form that made sense to me. Um, I, I like how much control you have over, uh, over time. You know, if you, if you, uh, if you read a novel, every page takes you about the same amount of time to read, unless it's really terribly written, in which case you have to like reread paragraphs for clarity. But like mm -hmm. generally a novel, each page is the same. A movie takes the same amount of time to watch for every person, but a comic book, you have this uh, ability to like, completely change the, the pace at which a person experiences the story by adding detail or changing the size of panels or uh, having things happen in the wrong order. I just did a um, an eight-page sequence in a book, uh, which is, it's all splash pages, but the characters uh, appear in multiple places. They're running through this strange alternate dimension. And at about the seventh page in, you one of the characters says, I'm not even sure what order this is happening. And I'm hoping that readers will realize that actually what's happened is all of the dialogue can be read in any order. And that if you lay the pages out side by side, which no one can do because it's in a book, which is always part of the fun frustration, uh, you'll see that all of the actual pathways that they're running along do actually match up page to page. Oh, and cool. you can figure out the real order. But within the book, you can't do that. So you're always forced to have to like, to wonder what the correct order would be. Um, and I think that's like, like th that kind of uh, control of, of, of things through the actual physical media, through the, the, the layouts of the page, it just excites me. It's, it's kind of, it's an endless puzzle for me. Um, and I think that, you know, within Four Color Heroes, there's a lot of importance to like the comic book form um, for people who are, you know, obviously no one's read it yet except for a handful of us. But uh, the two the two boys essentially fall in love through this shared love of comics. And uh, the conceit is that one of them is not allowed to read comics. So the other boy describes them to him and we never see the comics themselves. We just see how the boy who's not allowed to read them, Oscar, we see how he imagines them. And I think that uh, you hear so often people talk about how important comic books have been to them Um you hear so often about like like the communities that build around comic book stores and the way that people are excited about these these weekly things that coming out that they can or monthly or whatever that they can talk about with their friends. They go to a place to talk about, and I, I don't know how often it really happens um, that that people form these kind of close bonds, but I think we all like to 
mythologize comics as being the special powerful glue that holds us all together. And, um, you know, I can, I can think of every, every best friend I've ever had in my life has loved comics. Uh, every time that I become friends with a new person, there, there's always that moment, like a couple of months in when I find out they also like comic books. And then we get to be so excited because you can forget, uh, books you've read, films you've seen, but comics, when there's pictures and words together, it goes into your memory twice, essentially. And everyone has like, we've all read the same 50. And then we have like other ones off the, off the side from that. And so we all have the same basic grounding of like, just uh, getting excited. And you feel like you're reading them again, talking to your friend about it for the first time. I haven't read Sandman in 20 years. And if I find a new person who likes Sandman as much as I did 20 years ago, I, I feel instantly bonded to them. It, it's it, uh, sorry. I'm just, I'm just kind of waffling here, but like, I guess no, I love it. comics yeah. are magic and special. Yeah. I think that brings up a like lots of points that uh, I can definitely, and I think probably a lot of people can relate to in terms of, I, I thought it was interesting how I, I love that there's so many different avenues that people like can get into comics and you sort of do that and talked about that where we're we're quite lucky here in the um uk you know you know in england at least where there's like quite a lot of comic stores mm-hmm. around i don't know there's probably more in like depending on where in america you are but when i hear about like other places in like europe and um like how hard it is to get comics so like got like a couple of online comic friends in australia that sort of thing mm-hmm. i I do, I do feel that like we've got quite a good system going here. And my point being that I didn't know that when I like, first started reading them, I was just like, not to go on too much of a tangent about me, but with like the Flash TV show, and then I started reading like the Flash. Um, I just bought like paperbacks of the Flash from Amazon, and then and then I started getting like just these like magazines. They're like hundred page like comic magazines. They collected like four American comics in one. Mm-hmm. I got them from a like a news agent or like a um sort of like office supplies and books and magazines and that sort of thing and and then I eventually when my uncle told me about a comic book store nearby that was sort of the first time I got into like like reading eventually reading them like properly week to week yeah. and then also I, I thought it was fun that because I feel like there's been a lot of examples I've come across recently about your point about utilizing the medium when there was there were the ones that come to mind there was the moment in Earlier in, in the Court of Owls story, the Batman, the classic Snyder Capullo, where mm-hmm. you have to like turn, he's in the maze and you have to like turn the page. And apparently, people, apparently, like people were like thinking at the time that it was like misprinted or whatever, and that that was a worry of Snyder and Capullo apparently, but they still went ahead of it, and that's that's really cool. Everything that's been going on with like has been called issues, really unique issues like Radiant Black and everything going over there. Image Comics, there was a Choose Your Own Adventure. Rogue mm-hmm. Sun issue, the Paper Girls issue, where they have different timelines, and Radiant Black is a version of that. I'm just sort of listing off <laughs> examples, but it, it really is cool how we can yeah use the comic medium. Well, just like also, in gem- mm. like 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 what you're saying about the you know you know you you found out about comics from a TV show, you start looking for them, and suddenly there's a lot more. It's that like that feeling yeah. of you scratch the surface of the real world and suddenly there's a whole other secret world there. Comics have been there all along and they're everywhere. And that's, that is the closest thing to like, I don't know, being a kid in a fantasy world. Yeah. Possibly have. Um, I was, I was trying to explain to someone last night, the reason that Rugrats is so popular 
with like or, or like has like become such a lasting thing is because it was a show that was on when I was a kid that made me feel nostalgic for being a baby. It keyed into nostalgia as such a like for for such a young group of people, and so everyone's held on to it as like a special thing. And um, I think like that that feeling of the world being possible, like or, or the, the the impossible in the world being possible, running through the mirror and finding the other the other side of the world, uh, like logic working the way that you want it to work because you're a kid and you think it must, and the show shows us that it doesn't, but like the characters never understand it. We all want that feeling and like comics make us feel that way. Like social media makes us feel that way as well. If like, if it's, you know, when social media is pure, so to speak, uh, before it becomes entirely ad driven, you build these little weird communities and suddenly you're like, Oh, there's a special place I can go called my computer screen. And when I go to my computer screen, all my fun friends are there. Like we are all looking for other worlds to enter into. And comics is one that like, not only is not only an example of another world, but it's like another world that bubbles through every other world. And that's kind of like comics by default, do the thing that comics like to talk about. Like, how many times do we need to have the the multiverse explained to us before we realize that actually this is just like comics apologizing for what they are, which they don't need to do. We can experience the multiverse by reading multiple issues. We don't have to have it all in one. Yeah. Yeah. There's just lost my train of thought. Oh yeah, there it is. Found it again. <laughs> um, and I think it's really cool because I've sort of thought about this multiple times, but on the, on the one hand, and this is, this is sort of like in two ways, which I'll go into briefly. But we we sort of get to experience that that wonder every week. That wonder that you described about me describing my experiences. That's like every Wednesday, if you're like a Wednesday warrior, as they they call them, or it, like whenever you get your comics, whenever you get a new comic, you you get to dive into it fresh and get to experience it, and it's new and exciting. And that's like a major part of it. And then the other part of it I was alluding to is when. Because I, I, I got in, I obviously knew like Marvel and DC, well, I shouldn't say obviously, but I, I knew personally Marvel and DC because of just cultural osmosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, w- once I found like the place where I could get comics, I, I sort of knew that those were like the two like big I could go for. And then eventually when I um, got more into like indie comics and like that now nowadays, my... my it's pretty much like a three-way split between like Marvel and DC and Image, and then and then any like other sort of indies. I try try and like buy and trade or or whatever, mm-hmm. just try and like look down. And especially with when how like the, the people I've like met and friends within the community that and how that's grown for me personally, which is another thing when I get recommended things. Mm-hmm. And so because of part part of the point being is that I hadn't even heard of for kind of heroes. Until I just sort of saw a tweet about it on Twitter that um, one of my favorite podcasts, Comic Book Horse Counseling, check them out. Mm. They're great. Um, they like retweeted someone saying that they were excited for it to release this year, and I, I remember I think my exact comment was uh, or, or, or something like that. It was I've never heard of this, but now I can't wait. Mm, and then yeah. eventually, like Barbara, the the, the editor in chief of Fanbase Press was like, oh, we can like arrange an interview with Richard and give you an advance copy if you want. I was like, yeah, that, that's, that sounds awesome. So it's just cool how you can like continually discover like new things, even when you think. I mean, I, I've been going to a comic book store weekly for like five years now, so which feels like a while. It's like a long time, but 
Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's hard for me to think that, like, I because I, as I said, I started reading comics late in life, by which I mean 16. Uh, I, I turned 38 yesterday, so for 22 years I've been reading comics. For 31 years I've been making comics, and I still feel like they're a recent thing. And it's just because, like, they also change so drastically so fast. I mean, that's, like, why I never understand people who get bogged down and, like, what the continuity used to be or how comics were when they were whatever. It's like, no, the exciting thing about this is it's like a living, breathing organism that is constantly changing and updating and everything can be rewritten and everything can be interpreted by someone new. And that's like endlessly fascinating to me. It's like, like we are along for the ride on comics and there's a, there's a possibility that you can, um, that you can fall off and that you can catch up later. And that, I mean, do you know how exciting it is to not read uh, mainstream superhero comics for like 10 years and then get to dip back in and have people tell you like 400 things that have happened? It's it's wild. Like I I um, uh, I really kind of I, I stopped reading superhero stuff a while back um, just because the you know, like I, I think there are like key stories that are like great. But in general, I don't need to know what Batman's doing every day. Um uh, and then uh, my friend, my friend Tom started writing uh, Nightwing, and I like I I think Tom is a fucking fantastic writer. Um, so I was like, I'll check out his Nightwing. I've never read a Nightwing comic before, and I'm like one issue in, and I sent him a, an email. I'm like, Hey Tom, I have no idea what's going on in this. Like, great comic buddy, but I have no idea what the backstory is to any of this. And like, he was like, Don't worry, we're at Comic Con next week. I will catch you up on it. And like, I got to sit with him and have a beer and like talk about the entire history of Nightwing because he had done all of the research to write the book. And it's like, that's so exciting that like there is so much detail and there's so much detail that you can kind of just list and it like creates, you, you never need to, uh, I don't know. I, look, I could, I could talk forever about like particular magic things that have happened because comics exist or particular magic things that happen because of the way we discuss comics. But I, I think it's it's stuff everyone has already felt and, and thought about themselves. Like, uh, you know, comics are a form where there is no movement. Everything that is happening happens in between the panels because it is the empty space where we imagine the movement. And uh, we are trained as comic book readers to fill in the blanks. So when you talk to someone, they can say to you, oh, I don't know, like, let's say... I'm going to make up a thing here. Like, oh, Superman uh, went to uh, Krypton and, and uh, met with uh, uh, his friend who was a giant dog. And then they went and fought a war. And uh, then he came back to Earth and was really sad for a bit. And then he went shopping. And as I said those words to you, which sounds like quite a terrible story, by the way, like, but I know that you had images in your head of Superman doing those mm. things. I know that you like put together, okay, like I said, Superman's friends with a giant dog. Now you're wondering why now you're like, is it mm. an anthropomorphized dog? Is it a giant version of crypto? Is it a human dog person? Or is it actually just an actual giant? Like there's so many different variations. Is it a man in a dog suit? Is it like a weird, like Superman Wilfred crossover? That would be amazing. Um, and, and like, I don't know if people who don't read comics are trained to do that thing. Or are they, or is their brain trained to look for the words on the page, or look for the images on the screen, and remember what they are rather than making them up? Yeah, yeah. It, one thing I, I loved about *Fall to the Heroes*, 
pivot more specifically that although I love the, the, the conversation generally we were having but like tying it in it, it, it's really cool like the role comics place within the story not only because of the initial like conceit and what initially kicks the book off with um Patrick and o- Oscar like meeting and having that um conceit where he has to like talk about the comics to him but then like, later on in the book without spawning anything when you, you start to peel back that Patrick is using the comics as a way to like as an emotional outlet for like his emotions and for his, his feelings and to like talk about things that are difficult for him to talk about because of his upbringing and and it, it, it becomes like a much like richer um, like, rawer, raw more raw feeling mm-hmm. that I was oh yeah I, I felt that because that, that's something that is something that I always bring up every every chance I get where like my, my favorite stories are like the absolute wildest ones like like off the board like craziness it gets like really like chaotic and lots of like unique and crazy ideas but it's still like really emotional and starts such a, like an equally strong emotional core because that just feels like it hits so many things like like within the the story the the comic that the, they're reading it's like a really fun sort of like fun Superman homage with like the like the pop hero. Um, it's not very like <clears throat> not like classical superhero books, but then as, as we talked about, the comic book may not be anything necessarily groundbreaking, but the connection it like sparks between them is just both like fascinating to read and just I, I think like it, it invaluable within the story for the characters, but also just generally in terms of the bonds with the other people in your life well i wanted um you know so so for for listeners um uh oscar is from a very religious family very religious background and uh incredibly conservative um and obviously wildly homophobic um upbringing and patrick is like from a what what people would have in my day described as a bad home life um as a kind of catch-all for drunken abusive father and brother who's kind of probably into some low level crime and getting into higher levels of crime nowadays um and the thing is like the what i wanted to use the comics for was those two boys would never have been able to talk to each other about their own lives because there is such a wall between them of absolute difference oscar has never seen a life like patrick's and somehow putting comics in between them and having him describe this like alien from another world who flew to earth and fights monsters is that like it's, it's fake to both of them. And so it becomes this thread of like, I can't understand your world, but I can understand this other world. And so then uh, not to spoil anything, but later when you see the comic that Patrick makes to explain their relationship, um, like it's still put through this, this, uh, the screen of like difference and fiction, but it's saying like, look, stories are what we use to help ourselves understand other people's perspectives. And I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for this book. It's I've had this um, idea for almost a decade now and it's changed and grown and shifted, but like the core story of it and the actual beats of like, of, you know, of, of, of what I wanted it to be about uh, have always stayed. And so for it to be finally existing, I actually, when I first started doing this book, I first started like plotting it in I think 2012 or 2013, wow. and uh, I had 
I had the idea of, uh, you know, we, we never see the real comics. We just see what Oscar imagines. And <clears throat> they were going to be uh, drawn by all different artists. And it, the book was going to show um, not just like the development of the friendship, but also the way that as uh, Oscar grows as a person and learns more about the world and sees, you know, because he's been homeschooled his whole life. Now he's seeing the real world by being in high school, <laughs> such as it is. Um the comics were going to really change stylistically and I was going to kind of run the gamut from like very cartoonish and simple at the beginning to like very modern and kind of gritty looking toward the end. And um, I, I, I'm really glad I didn't do that. I think that having like uh, two styles of art in, in a book is kind of enough. Um, but I, I held off on making this book because I just genuinely never felt like I was going to be good enough at doing the art. Uh, and I feel like I'm finally in a place now where, like, after literally publishing comics for 31 years, I can now say, oh, I'm, I'm good enough at making comics that I can, I can draw this book without feeling like I'm letting it down. Um, just for, for some kind of uh, context for how special this book is to me. Um, and, you know, of course, now I look at the I look at the PDF four months after it was sent off to print and I think, Oh God, I, I wish I hadn't drawn that like that. And I, I just see every single flaw or like, Oh, that foreshortening is a little off, but it's still, I, I know that when that book when when I have the physical copy in my hand, I'm going to feel like, Oh good. I finished. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I can close a chapter on a huge amount of stuff that I've wanted to say with comics for a long time. And that's uh, terrifying because it means I have to say something new and very freeing because it means that I can launch headfirst into like whatever other crazy avenue i'm going to go down yeah so you wrote illustrated and did you letter it as well i did everything so what was that like something i've talked to a couple of people who've sort of done both like the writing and the the art and and, but yeah even like the lettering as well was it like doing all three and well i i I colored it i i did like so oh yeah i um i have done i've been doing i've been writing and drawing my own books for a very long time obviously but Um, I started coloring maybe, uh, seven or eight years ago. Um, and I realized, and this is, this is something that I want to, I want to be very clear about how I say it. Cause I don't want to upset people. Uh, coloring is a part of comics that anyone can, anyone who can draw can color to what, what would be called an acceptable level. There are colorists out there who can like tell story with, tone and and who can like control so much of the art with their colors and that is a a skill set that is like far beyond what i'm talking about but the actual act of looking at a page and putting colors in the right places and putting some shadows and some highlights and getting it to look like oh this looks like a comic that you would you would see in a store you would buy this comic this is now a real comic it is finished that is that is a very achievable level of coloring um, for almost anybody. And that is the kind of coloring that I did just perfectly serviceable coloring for, for my, for Blastosaurus, for Black Sand Beach, for all my books for the past seven or eight years. And, um, I looked at this, I was like, look, I'm going to be coloring this one myself. I want to actually, I want to, I want to learn this properly. I spent, uh, like four months last year, just every day I was working on another book and every day I would just put two hours aside in the morning to like watch tutorials on how to color. I signed up for like multiple courses on comic coloring and color theory and storytelling through color and everything. And um, 
you know, it, it, it ended up being this thing where like, if I can color, let's say 10 pages of Blastosaurus in a day, I could color one and a half pages of four color heroes in a day. Like just the amount of extra steps I was putting in and the amount of rethinking and reworking I was doing. Um, and so that like, this has felt like the, it's, it's not that long a book. It's like 170 pages, I think. Yeah. And, about that. And like, you know, you know, like every volume of Black Sand Beach is 192 pages and it takes me three months to make. And this book, which, by the way, when I pitched this book to, to Barbara and Brian at Fanbase, they said they loved it and they were happy for me to do it in whatever style I wanted. At the time, I'd been doing this very sloppy, cartoony style um, for my book Haunted Hill. And I thought that I would do sort of a similar version to that. Um, and then it would give me this freedom to like, kind of go big with the superhero stuff and go kind of goofy and so when i when i pitched it to them i said look it's 170 pages i think i'll give myself a big window let's say i can do this in in four months and then when i started i got like i think six pages in and i looked at it and i was like this is not like this world needs to feel real like if i'm going to be making any statements about the world i need people to feel like they're in the world <clears throat> i need to like start over and so I redesigned the characters and I started over and then I started like getting into the weeds of every single part. So the book is set in 2004 in New Zealand uh, in a, a during the, the ongoing debate at the time about the Civil Union Act, which meant that like gays could not get married, but sort of get married um, with some legal standing. And it, it was, you know, a shitty um, bandaid on a problem, but um it was what we had at the time. And of course it brought out everyone like the, you know, the religious people marching in the streets saying enough is enough. Um, and it was awful. And it, it brought a lot of homophobia to light and like the world is different now is sort of better now in some places, I guess. But I was like, I want this to feel like that world. So page one, they are in a classroom and you can see, like you see a desk and you see some windows and really that's it. And that seems pretty easy. And people probably have a vague idea of what color those things are in real life and what the textures are like in real life. But I could have I could have made that up if I wanted to. But I didn't. I instead went and like searched through uh, like all my old photos. I reached out to everyone I knew in high school to see if they had pictures of like of us from the time because I wanted to get the desk right. I wanted to get the angle of the the bars that hold the desks together right. I want people to look at one of those desks and go, oh, I've seen that exact desk. I wanted to get the like scratchings on the desk right and the bits where the paint peels off right. I wanted to know how that like every single detail had to be a hundred percent real. Um to the like like I think it's page eight, they're they're on the bus. So I went and I found photographs. I, I, every color is sampled from photos of the real thing. Um, and then obviously like various tones are shifted for, for whatever, for mood and such and for different lighting. But like the base colors are all, that's the actual color of a bus seat. That is the texture of a bus seat. That is what that fabric looks like. The, here, is, here is a school uniform. If you do a book where you put people in a school uniform, you can get away pretty easily with having like a boy uniform and a girl uniform and no one's going to notice much else. But that's not the that's not what real life looks like. In real life, there is like you've got uh, <clears throat> any school uniform will probably have two to three different colors of shirt, and from different years when they've been made of different fabrics because of availability, you'll have different textures on them. 
On top of that, you've probably got some kids who have their older brothers and sisters' uniforms who have, um, like, from when the school uniform changed color. I remember when I was in high school, there was, like, this one kid who had a red sweater. No one else had a red sweater. And so you could just identify this kid as, oh, that's Daniel. He has a red sweater. Uh, I guess he got it from when the school used to have red sweaters, maybe? Or, like, those are different sweatpants or those are different like shorts or a different cut or length of skirt and what are appropriate shoes for school there are five rules to it they've got to be black they've got to be leather they have to be lace up but beyond that like i'm i was like researching what were the popular brands of shoes so that in case i had a shot where you could see someone's feet i would be able to like pull up from my files a a picture of 10 different brands of shoe from that year and and make sure they were varied across the page like I, I was so obsessed with this book. I was working 20-hour days uh, to get it done in time. Uh, it ended up, I wrote, I, I wrote the final script in April last year, and I finished drawing it uh, December 23rd last year. So, yeah, what was meant to be four months of easy, like probably eight hours a day work turned into eight months of 20-hour days, no breaks, Um and I like I thought about nothing else. I, I I would I would wake up in the morning. I would get up at four, and I would just walk straight to my desk. I had like <clears throat> I have kind of what I what I call the forever coffee, which is where you have you never don't have coffee in your mug. And so when you get up in the morning, you just like fill it from whatever pot you have, and then microwave it. And while it's microwaving, you make a fresh pot to start the next you know go round. Um, which also means my mug hasn't been cleaned for, I mean, I'm looking into my mug right now and realizing that my mug has not been cleaned for actual years, which might not be the best. And I should, I'm not going to, but I should clean it. Yeah. It was, it was, it was intense. Like, and then, um, with the, with the lettering, um, I've been lettering for a, a while, a long time. Um, and I've actually, I've, I've sort of decided that going forward, I want to hand letter all my books like I used to, um, at least for a while, I'm doing a kind of very different style right now. But this one, uh, because I wanted, I wanted to do all the coloring at the end so that there wouldn't be like inconsistency of quality. So I actually, I lettered this book uh, at the pencil stage so that I could send every oh, chapter right. off uh, to, to Barbara for, for editing and notes and things because I didn't want, uh, I didn't want all of that to come at the end. So it was, uh, yeah, it was lettered, right after pencils and I was, which, which is a, a nightmare to do because it means you have to make every word balloon and shape it to every panel and then you ink the page and then you rescan the page. And of course it's going to have shifted by a tiny bit. So all of the lettering I did the first time around was actually like wasted and I had to completely redo, or at least the word balloons had to be completely redone. Um, but you know, it's, it's part of the process and it, it became this thing where with the, with the effort that went into the, the, the details of the places and the people. And like, by the way, New Zealand has a different color sky than LA. So like I'm looking out my window in LA and thinking like, Oh, that's what the sky looks like. Color, color, color. Oh no, wait. I remember New Zealand is bluer and weirder because there's no ozone there. Um, let's like go back and recolor that and recolor the trees to make sure they made. It was, I mean, I can, I can give every detail, but that's probably boring, but like it was such a, I was just, I was just in it completely. Um, I was unhealthy. I was eating terribly. I was sleeping four hours a night. I was on so much Ritalin to keep going. And uh, I, I completely antisocial. I saw none of my friends. I missed everything that happened last year. 
And I describe that to people and they're like, oh, that sounds horrible. I'm like, no, I'm describing my favorite thing. Like I got to live with <laughs> fictional characters that, that like I was responsible for their lives and I had to make sure I did a good job. And uh, it, it, to me, that feels incredible. It's like a slumber party all by myself. Yeah, nice. I think it's really cool that if you're going to put your heart and soul into something like this, which is, is, is clear you did, both from you talking and from re- reading the book, that it's cool to yeah that to, to get all those like specific details that some people might uh, other creators even if they think they're like doing like a good job then they, then it's just cool to like go the extra mile in terms of making sure it's absolutely like as perfect as you, as you can make it and as perfect as you want it to be mm. i like i'm someone who I, I want everything to look finished and and, and like when yeah. it's actually physically made i want it to or like, like, I don't like working digitally if I can help it. Like, I, I color digitally, obviously, and I letter digitally mostly. But um, there's a couple of pages in the book. There's the um, uh, the, the scene on the bus in chapter one where you see Patrick is watching Oscar, and like he's watching him in the mirror on the bus. So you see Oscar sitting in his seat, and it's like a distorted fisheye lens kind of look of him. And then on the next panel, it's the same mirror. But now Oscar has stood up and he's far more distorted by it because he's pushing the, the button to, you know, the, the, the bell to get off the bus. And um, it would be very easy to have drawn one picture of the mirror and then drawn uh, one picture of Oscar normally and one picture of Oscar ringing the bell normally and then distorted it digitally later and put it together. And uh, and because it's obviously the, the background of the, of the undistorted, area around the mirror the bus window and the things uh doesn't change i could have obviously repeated that the same as later on when there is the um image of the boys through the window uh from the high angle from the abandoned house and then you see um patrick is picking up a rock and then in the next it's the same exact shot of the window except he's now thrown the rock and it's smashing through the glass i could have repeated that panel and uh, digitally and just drawn the bits that changed Instead, I drew each of those panels once. I did the full fisheye distortion with, you know, perspective lines and just figuring it all out. And that took hours because it's really hard to imagine how a person with like curly hair gets distorted by a fisheye shape. Um, and then, uh, and then I scanned it and then I printed it out at the exact size and I used a light table to trace it. So the two panels are actually different. Like, I guess it is still sort of technically repeating the panel and it's sort of cheating to trace it. I didn't just, you know, draw it again from, from nothing, but like I wanted that page to look like a finished page as a physical object before it ever went into, before it got colored, before it went into the book. Um, Cause I know that as soon as I cut corners, I will, I, I lose interest. It's why I can't do comic strips because comic strips are so often like it's, you're drawing the same thing. You're drawing a lot of the same thing every day. A lot of the time, these strips are like one person talking or two people talking to each other with a word balloon in basically the same place. And I know that those strips are able to come out once a day because they have those stock pieces and they clip them, they 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 click them together on on Photoshop or whatever, and they write in the text. And I know for a fact that if I had the if I had the option to do that, I would make one strip. And then I would make a second strip and say, this is going to be daily. All I have to do is write the joke. The strip is basically made. And by day four, I would hate it. And it would be the hardest thing in the world. If I have to draw a page that has no backgrounds, like if it's, um, 
if it's a if, if there is a page that involves like I don't know three cats rolling through a pile of bricks while the stars collide around them it'll take me four or five hours and I will just never look up from the page and I'll have a great time. If I have to draw a page that is uh, three panels of a person with no, like just close up on a face, no background as they talk about something, it will take me all day because I will not be able to pay attention to it. I'll be so distracted because I'm like, no, I know this one's easy. It's going to take like an hour. No, I won't do it. I'll just sit there looking at it being like, oh, this sucks. There's no background. I don't care about this. I don't want this to be a finished object. The only page in Four Color Heroes that even comes close to it is, uh, well, no, that's not fair. There's there's two. There's, there's a big uh, kind of intense fight scene in the last chapter, but it is like... I'm trying to really capture the idea of two, like three people interrupting each other and yelling and shoving and kind of getting in each other's faces. And so it's, I think it's 27 panels. And I think the 27 panels are all uh, cut at different angles. So some overlap each other and some go, you know, but there's no backgrounds is my point. Um, and so it is technically a very lazy page. Um, but that one, like because of the the layout of it was so intense, um, I enjoyed that one a lot. And then the other one is the, the, the kiss in chapter four, which like they are like in the lead up to that, they're in this abandoned house with um, this like old stairwell that I had to, my God, I had, I had a diagram of the stairs um, on my office wall that showed which uh, pieces of the railing were broken. Uh, so that I would always be able to like look up and like double check as I was drawing. By the way, drawing a a, a twisted like a, a an old broken down wooden staircase that turns at a strange angle um, in perspective was so much fun. Like just an absolute delight. He lied. Um, but the 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 point is like like it's the whole scene is like this build up through this very intense. Um, detailed environment and then they're standing against a plain wall and they stare at each other and they kiss and it's like five panels of just their two heads and the only reason i was able to i was like i'd been building up to that moment for so long i i had i knew that it was important i could really care about the expressions on the faces the the every single detail of that page mattered even though there were very few so i could care about that but if it had been the two of them sitting and talking about comic books and it had been four or five panels of just their faces, it would have taken me a month to make that one page, and I would have hated it. You got A lot of making comics is about tricking yourself into making every single part feel special, um, mm. because obviously a lot of it is just mm. grunt work of just, oh, well, now I have to draw these bricks. Well, now I have to draw... Like, it's going to be the same thing. You're going to be doing the same skill over... I mean, which is also why, by like treating the color as part of the storytelling rather than just color for the sake of it being in color... Uh, was it, it meant that those last couple of months where I was just coloring every day, um, which is is honestly my least favorite part, um, I was able to like still care about it and still stay focused and got it finished. Yeah, I think it's something that maybe as comic fans we and readers we take for granted sometimes, even if you're not trying to. When you you're reading a comic. And you're like, oh yeah, it's like it's a bus. Oh yeah, it's like it's a staircase. Oh yeah, it's so and so. Like we're so used to seeing these things. Well, I was gonna say like in other comic books, but in real life as well, where they're just sort of ordinary like things that are just sort of there in, in, in the comic book. Not 
quite often just as like setting so it can be maybe sort of too easy to actually like think beyond like, like not take them for granted and like think about the amount of time that must have went into like drawing them even if it is just all the like that's like, still like the grunt work pages as if you will like yeah i mean it's, it's, it's interesting it's it, it obviously there's a huge imbalance in how much work goes into making a comic versus you know it takes five minutes to read an issue of batman and someone spent a month making that thing like yeah uh, a, a friend of mine once said that their goal, they didn't want to become like rich and famous through comics. And I was like, well, why not? It's, it's quite fun. Um, <laughs> no, th- their their goal was to make get to a point with their with the popularity of their books that the number of people reading them would like equal the amount of time that they had had to spend making it. So he was like, well, if I spend if I do six hours per page, and it's a twenty two page book. Uh, then I've spent um, 132 hours making this book. Uh, if I factor in, let's say, another like 18 hours, like 150 hours per issue is what he figured it out to. Um, once he'd done like a cover and then the the like marketing and putting together the thing for print, he was like, if everyone who reads it takes five minutes to read it, then I need uh, then I need to find uh, whatever 12 times 150 is. I don't know why I can't do math today. Um, 1800 i need to 1800 people to be reading this book for it to be the equivalent of what i've done and i was like but i'm not gonna say the person's name i was like but you're doing print runs of 200 copies he's like yeah no it's not working it's, it's a terrible it's a terrible piece of math to put together yeah they must, they must just been like yeah exactly my point yeah i mean like you know you can think about these things existing out in the world and and again comics are wonderful for this and this is why no one should collect comics um you can share comics with people and you can still enjoy comics if they're beaten up and shitty and old and you can pass an issue around to 30 other people never ever slab a comic cgc is oh man it makes me sad to see think about comics trapped in plastic that no one can ever read oh, don't um, even yeah the yeah. whole conversation i i have i have i have two cgc comics and they're both issues of my comics that like people have given me um right. A publisher gave me a copy of Blastosaurus issue zero uh, that they had, like when it first came out, and um, it's it's also signed by me. I didn't know that it was going to be. I th- I didn't know it was for me. So it's very. It started this weird thing where like, oh, the first copy of this comic is signed by me, uh, and it's now mine. So now every time a new book, I have a new book come out, I will sign it and personalize it to myself. And I was like, I just got the first ever signed copy of a book by Richard Fairgrave. This is so exciting. <laughs> um, and I and then I have uh, a copy of Blastosaurus issue one, which my former roommate bought me when I moved out um, because he knows how much I hate CGC books and he found it on eBay and thought it would be very funny. So, uh, yep, I the, the both of them have... Uh, I've put nails through them to hang them on the wall, so they're already uh, the 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 plastic is cracked and broken, and and they're valueless. But that makes me happy. Nice. <laughs> you should when you finish reading comics, leave them on a bus. Like honestly, just like leave them at a in a doctor's waiting room. Like the the best thing in the world. It's you are creating portals for people to discover our fantasy world that we live in. You are you are doing the thing that we talked about right at the beginning of this interview where you're finding a way to put have comics be everywhere so that someone can stumble across them and that's that's what we should be doing yeah i think that that's the dream just in terms of it's not something that's that great these days and there's definitely endless amounts of discourse about how it could be 
improved. But yeah, the the, the dream of the ideal is just to have uh, comics in as many people's hands as possible, even if just 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 like even like, like whatever comics that those are, if, if it's like the latest issue of Spider Man or something like much more like independent or everything in between. Yeah. I mean, I was I was in a bookstore yesterday, um, uh, and uh, the girl behind the counter was selling me my books, and I noticed that she had a slight Australian accent. And I said to her, "Oh, you're from Australia," and we talked about like how much better the KFC is there, and our favorite uh, type of popsicles. Um, I I was in Australia last week, and I spent the entire time just eating KFC and these things called Peter's icy poles. Um, which was so good. Um, anyway, that's a that's unrelated. But my God, I wish I could go back and just have. I don't want to see any of my friends again. I just want to have the food. Um, but I said to her, "Oh, where in Australia are you from?" And she said, "Oh, Perth." And I said, "Oh, do you know about the girl in Perth who does the Marge Simpson erotic fan fiction comic?" And she was like, "Oh my God, yes, I do." And then like that's so specific and so weird. And like no one like it's 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 a it's a wonderful little comic. And I just I know this. I, I can't remember the name of the person who does it. I'm feeling terrible now because that's. A worthwhile thing, but like if you look up Marge Simpson erotic fan fiction comic from Perth, you'll you'll find her. Um, but like, I don't know. Imagine how you feel the first time you find the weirdest thing you've ever seen. Um, imagine how much more fun it is when you then discover that other people have also seen it. Imagine how weird it becomes when you're on the other side of the world from that thing that probably only fifty people have ever heard about, and you manage to find someone else. Like the world is incredibly small. We, we, I often feel like I exist uh, as a, a character in a story, but more specifically in a low-budget film where the background uh, background actors are actually just being repeated. But comics connect us, and it's it's just it's just great. Sorry, I'm 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 feeling like oh, very, I, love um, it. I haven't drawn anything for almost two months. I've been uh, <clears throat> I've been <clears throat> sorry. Uh, I've been coloring the last book in a, another series that I won't talk about because the. Um, well, it's anything I said. Anything I say about it will be full of spoilers. But uh, the final book in the Black Sand Beach series, uh, I've been coloring it for the past, or I was coloring it for about a month, and then uh, I've been traveling for a friend's wedding and then some work stuff. And I wrote a short comic while I was away. I didn't have a chance to start drawing it or anything. I have not like I had not touched a, a proper drawing pen for months. And yesterday was my birthday. And uh, my husband said to me, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to draw comics first. Like, I haven't, for, I just need to. And like, I, I'm finally, my jet lag is over. I'm back. All my work stuff is sorted out. And I spent the morning drawing a page of an eight-page story, which I don't think I'm being paid for. If I am, it's going to be a fun surprise. Um, <clears throat> for someone's anthology, it is something that I could churn out a quick version of in two days uh and i spent yesterday morning drawing one panel of this like complicated uh high angle of a crashed uh flying pirate ship uh in the woods with vines wrapped all around it and these strange uh sort of crosses like well like not not really crosses like because they have like two sticks on them to kind of look like uh legs i guess um that are in the dirt all around the woods and then a series of bells hanging from a thing. And uh, I'm not going to give away anything for what, like why these things are happening in this panel, but uh, it's for a Peter Pan 
thing. Um, and I know now that because I did that, I have to match that style for the rest of the book. And it's like the eight pages are probably going to take me a week and a half. Uh, but I just felt so happy, you know? Oh, so I'm feeling yeah. very, um, very warm toward comics right mm. now. Um, if that, in case that's not coming across, it turns out maybe I like comics too much. Yeah. Maybe comics are good, actually. Maybe. Potentially. <laughs> yeah. Turns out comics are good. Yeah, it, it's like my, my um, uh, but, but when it's not Joe talks comics, my username online tends to be Joe loves comics. Mm-hmm. So it, it's always fun to play that um fun card every so often. It's like when you sort of, it is something that I mean we were joking, but it is something that I find like really cool, and it speaks to things we were saying right at the start again about describing new things every week. When if I've been because as well as single issues, I also love like various collections and things. So if I've been like deep in a, a collection, like so many issues in, and then I like, take a break from it to to read my like new comics, that's something like fresh and exciting and just a bit different. And not I wasn't gonna list not rut, that's a negative connotation, but just sort of something else to read. Mm-hmm. And I, I sometimes I, I do start read the issue, and I'm like. I really like it. It was really fun. And I'm like, yeah, it's like co- comics are good. Like sometimes when you not yep. necessarily taken for granted, but when when you sort of like just like reading something and you're like you're enjoying it, but there's not necessarily um oh yeah certain, look, look, like a, like, there like are a lot of or, in the world that yeah. can't all be outstanding yeah you're find, even if they're still good yeah like there's good and then there's those ones that make you go ooh yeah exactly really regret making that sound. <laughs> <laughs> You want that once more clean for people's ringtones? Ooh. <laughs> <Next> tone. <laughs> or, yeah, so with Four Color Heroes, you, you, you talk about, you, you've got an essay in the, well, you, well I, I suppose first of all, let, let, let me touch on, you've got a couple of essays in the back, <laughs> one from a clinical psychologist, yeah, and which is quite more, uh, I don't know, science I don't know if that's the right word. Well, but you, it's you know, it's I mean, more academic than the piece I wrote. Yeah, academic, sorry. that's probably the word I was looking for. And then the one from you, which is more personal. When did you come to the decision to... Oh, oh and also the forward as well by David M. When did you come to the decision to include those as like additional elements in the in the final book? Um, I th- Well, that was, that was always... There was always a plan to have something... Um, to kind of, you know, because of the kind of, I don't want to say heavy subject matter, serious subject matter. I don't want to pretend like this is the biggest grown-up serious takeaway from uh, and the definitive statement on all things gay. But, yeah. um, you know, it is it is still, it's, it's a small personal story. Um, because I wanted it to be uh, the story of two people with very sheltered lives who can only really see what's going on around them, finding this connection... Uh, with, you know, I, I think that like w- when we look at history, we look at big sweeping movements and changes and we talk about um, what was and then what wasn't rather than how that change happened or what that change meant for the people on the ground and in the moment. Um, and I wanted to uh, I wanted to, I wanted to capture that very small part of it and that very personal part of it in the story. But in order for that to work i needed there to be the broader context around uh what what that stuff means or what the bigger version you know what what the what the what the swirling context actually means for the world and for people and so uh 
the the essay um i'm i'm going to get dr drea legamundi's name probably mispronounced because i've only ever seen it written down um but i believe that was it um uh i wanted i wanted a piece like that to like talk about the importance of these kinds of stories and talk about the importance of and like like where things are and then i wanted to bridge that with my piece about like here is here is the stuff that we don't talk about when we when we talk about when we talk about uh gay rights and uh representation and things uh people talk about how how bad things are or how bad things were no one ever really talks about like um no one, no one talks about it in small detail, and I, I, which I, it's fine, obviously. Like that's how historical things work, and I think that's the, the role of stories is to fill in those pieces. Um, I mean, I, I wanted to have the the broader context to to encapsulate that, I guess, um, or I wanted whatever it was going to be in the book to encapsulate that. Uh, and I think that you know, I, I like I like extras. I like things to be. I like books to have more fun stuff in them. Um, but I think for this one, I didn't want it to be a cover gallery or pinups by other people. Um, and I think that the three pieces together, because like David's piece uh, is about like why comics are special and like why comics matter. And that is obviously very relevant to a story about why comics matter. Um, and uh, Dr. Drea Legamundi, whose name I'm saying wrong again, probably um, her piece is very much like, why gay stories and gay representation matters. And that obviously makes sense. And then my piece is about here's shitty stuff that we did when I was in high school a very short time ago. Like 20 years ago, things were not great. And these were the, like, the, the, this is, this is what, this is how we dealt with it. Um, and so it feels like those three, those, the, 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 the three parts together, uh, I hope, give people the sense of why, what the comic in between it all uh, matters. Um, I don't really know how to how to put that any other way. I, I think it. Um, yes, yeah, this is okay. this is the first time in an interview that I've sort of been stuck for words. I, I I feel like you know I talk about comics a lot. I talk about my other books a lot. And I do a lot of interviews, and it's really confronting how much this book matters to me when I do an interview and I suddenly realize, oh, I I'm worried I'm going to say things wrong about my own book as opposed to me just going off on a wild tangent and talking about like the time I ate too many hot dogs and shit myself. So yeah, uh, that's why those pieces are in there. It's, it's, I guess to ground it a little. Yeah. I think the, they, they do a good job of like con contextualizing it and um, framing it a bit in terms of hearing those, like re reading the story because it's, uh, I think I think it is interesting and, and important and, and good to have those pieces about sort of either side about the both like the the experiences both in terms of like comics and and like the perspective of like LGBT mm. people and maybe 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 sort of highlighting highlighting it emotionally in in terms of these are yeah 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 it, it's really tough to talk about I think because it's quite a lot of it is quite sort of raw and emotional in its energy so it's hard to put into words i'm i'm not sure how bad things are in in the uk right now but i can tell you here in america um you know we we have a, a real spike in books being banned all over the place for any kind of uh let's be honest like lgbt content that's it like 
the the the, the laws are being changed to to punish people for existing um and i i don't want to i don't want to elevate myself by saying this and i don't want to um curse myself either but i think a book about two boys falling in love two teenage boys falling in love through comic books is probably the kind of book that's going to get some pushback and i think that it's also an important book I, I i hope that it is a book that someone can read and you know i didn't have a lot of things growing up that made me feel uh normal i didn't have a lot of rep there wasn't representation of me in stories and i hope that this book can be that for some people and for that to happen this book has to be available to people and i think that putting essays into a book like this makes it far more likely that it'll be in a school or in a library mm. because it is it is age appropriate there's literally one kiss in the entire book, but I also know that with the state of things right now, that might be enough to get this book banned. And I want to have as much armor against that as possible because I I, I want, I don't want enough people reading this that it makes up for the time that I spent making it. I want one person to read this where it makes a difference to their life. Um, and the, the, the more the more chance that we can put, that we can have of that happening, the better. Um, this this book should be in libraries. This book should be in schools. All books should be in libraries and schools, by the way. Everyone should, like, books should be everywhere. But, you know, we're, we are in a fight right now. And it's, uh, it's, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, because I think that's, I don't know, interesting maybe isn't quite the, the right word. But as a book, I mean, I, I, I haven't read many uh, I've, I've been able to read a few sort of LGBTQ plus like indie like graphic novels as I've gone into them and a few from like the DC and adult line you know, but mm -hmm. my, my point being that there's, there's nothing very like overtly like queer or, or, or gay or, or about it when, when you talk about like w w I guess w when you think of a pride parade you think of like lots of like colours and like flags and lots of like great um people dressed in lots of like great and like flamboyant and vibrant ways and lots of like celebration and etc and so it's like this this book isn't full of like rainbows and no. and everything these boys will it's never like, get it's through like, a pride parade you know th th like that's yeah not, that's not the reality for a lot of people um and i i want to say that like this book is set in 2004 I don't think that's a different situation now. Like, and I mean, I, I can also get very angry about the state of pride parades these days where they're mostly advertisements for Skittles and, and airlines. Um, but, you know, this defiant act of protest of marching down the street and saying, we, we are here, the difference between us is the way we have sex. You don't get to demonize us for it. Or if you're going to, we're going to fight back. Um, I think is is so important. I think that seeing the pride parade exist uh, is important in the same way that uh, you know seeing comics with characters that look like you or act like you or feel the uh, the way you do uh, on on bookshelves is important. Um, I just I don't tend to approach it with the same kind of uh, rainbow flag waving positivity that that other people might. And I think that's largely because I think that, as I said, the world is not in a good state right now, and people are still being demonized for the way they feel and the sex they want to have, um, or the people they want to have, and not just sex, but, you know, intimacy with. Um, and I, I don't, uh, I think that when everything, when all of the representation becomes about the positivity, 
And it, it makes people who aren't having a good time feel very left out. And those are the people who probably need to be the most included so they can have some of those positive experiences. Um, it's not just <clears throat> you know, being in the LGBT community is not as simple as, oh, good, now everything is happy and wonderful. Let's dance and listen to the same music as each other. <clears throat> a lot of the time it is um, life doesn't really change things are still really hard. Now there's another thing making it harder and you slowly have to realize that a lot of people that you care about are not going to accept things about you anymore. Um, and seeing those kinds of stories get hidden because people want to focus on the good stuff, I think is uh, is damaging and hurts the people who need those stories the most. Yeah, it, it brings up a point when I think of when um, Superman's son, Jonathan, John mm -hmm. came out as, as bisexual when he's well, he's sort of aged up at the moment. It's, it's, and it's, he has been since 2018. So that's the whole thing. But when it's, if I remember, it was sort of announced to like coincide with coming out day, it was the press release about it. And then when they, I, I, I have a full rant about this in, 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 a, in like a, an episode that I recorded a few months ago that comes out in a couple of months from when this is going out. So I, I won't belabor the point. But when you have the, one of the only moments of sort of actual like queerness w w within the issue is just like the kiss. There's like one page, and like technically speaking, it, it's a beautiful like splash page. I I, I like the art, but the, the the actual page itself is something that was obviously like like broadcast on like, press releases and things in like the months up to it. And there's. I think it's tough because I think there's a lot to be said about if that did reach someone that, regardless of my thoughts on them as like a couple, John and his boyfriend Jay as a couple, if it did reach someone and they saw themselves and it had an impact on their life, then that that's incredible. That's all that yeah that they could want. But there's definitely also an argument when, especially when coming coming from like a, a like a straight writer like tom taylor and which is like a whole conversation about people writing things that they don't have it's a it's a whole mess but when i think he's sort of like like trying to do good and in some ways overcompensating when like there's a difference between like not making a big deal out of it and putting that in, like making it inverted commas when like when i say that to yeah. like try and be um like sensitive and to try and like no, like oh I'm, like I'm normalizing it, but then it, there's also a chance that you're like like underdoing it and making it. it, it it's, it's my opinion, and it's like it's not very interesting. But of course, not, not everyone will, will will think that. But uh, well, look, uh, look, as you say, so, sorry, it's, it's the difference between like I like so it's like, no no to, to your point, no one is saying that like Clark Superman should be homophobic, but that also doesn't mean that he can't face like any struggles at all. He just has to be like perfect. So you just have to, yeah. Well, yeah, this is. I, I understand what you're saying, and I think that you're. Uh, I, I think that you're largely right. But I think, like for for context, um, mm. we are at a point now where there get to be gay characters in stories. Uh, oh, yeah, we are not yeah. yet at a point where those characters get to be complicated and nuanced. Yes, um, exactly. Without pushback, um, you know we can't like I'm. We don't get to have stories in the mainstream about gay breakups or gay 
affairs or short-term like yes of course Mm -hmm. john kent comes out as bisexual because like actually coming out as gay would have probably made the internet actually break forever um like he gets to come out as bisexual and then immediately get a boyfriend he's going to have that boyfriend forever like there will be maybe like i think tom is a good enough writer and and a good enough person that he will write that relationship with struggles and 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 adversity and like whatever but like i think we know from the larger corporate standpoint that is now established as this is john kent's boyfriend that is who that person will be identified as forever and always we do not get to see john kent date 30 different people over the course of the next 10 years um we like of course superman's going to respond well to his son coming out um that that part i had no problem with that part i was like look that's yeah that's actually how superman would react yeah it's like of course he would um i would love it if there could be a story where we find out that i don't know jimmy olsen is secretly really homophobic and just becomes kind of an unpleasant character for a couple of years like that would be wonderful because you know what's you know what's complicated and nuanced is that there are homophobic people in the world and that you still have to have them in your life um that you still have to deal with people that you work for and with. You do not get to just say, hey, I'm I'm out now as whatever I am and everyone's going to be cool with it. Yay, the end. Um, but DC aren't going to do that. Like, of course they're not. Like, why would they? It probably wouldn't sell. I would buy a copy. I would love it. I, I want to read The Homophobic Adventures of Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> I don't know why I've chosen him. I think it's because I don't want, <laughs> I didn't want Perry White to be homophobic because I have kind of a crush on him. <laughs> Just, have you seen that the uh, I know what you are dog with like the yeah 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 love uh, love that uh, homophobic dog I'm I'm just thinking of, of, of like a comic panel of Jimmy Olsen where it's like I know what you are although uh, although th- there was a point when like Supergirl Women of Tomorrow was going on I can't remember wh- where it started but for some reason people were like editing panels of crypto from that series of like I know what you are. And like, like, jokes like that. I was like, I don't know where this came from, but I, I'm laughing at it. But anyway, yeah, like I, 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 I want to see this stuff in stories. I, I, I don't think we're going to like. This is why indie comics get to do stuff where it is just like complicated. Yeah. Um, I think. I mean, in my story, literally, like it covers a few months of some teenage boys' lives, and mm. they kiss one time. Um, I think it's implied they probably kiss more times after that. And at the end of the story, nothing is better. Like they're, they're both going to try and walk away from their lives, but they're 15 years old. Like what's, what, how's that going to work? They're, they're 15 year olds with a stolen car, you know? Yeah. And I, I suppose I, I don't really thought of this until you said it, but in another creator's minds, that's like, that's the start of a book, not the end of one. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it, it is cool how, um, as we talked about, they do have their like intense moments throughout the story that gets very like fraught and very the, 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 yeah they sort of like, very, very like quite like clash. Yeah. I, I don't want to say viciously sounds too visceral, but they, they, it's sort of like quite seriously clash at, at a couple of points, not the book, and you you feel the like weight of it, and then to still end up where they do at the the end and and just leave it open as to what's happening i think that's a really interesting and um well, important the, balance to have the way i wrote it the way i thought about it as i was writing it was that uh oscar doesn't know he's gay at the start of the book right like, yeah 
he is actually really he doesn't he has never considered the possibility because that's just not in his world um patrick is not out but i tried to write it that everyone in patrick's life knows that he's gay and then i would think about these are the characters who are accepting him until he comes out and these are the characters who are um accepting him uh who 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 don't care like patrick's friends uh seppi who is the kind of recurring friend who's like a real shit to to oscar um he does not care that 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 patrick is gay uh because it's, it will it it has not yet confronted him he knows he can tell um you know my, right. my piece in the back about we all know who the one gay kid is in the school um yeah. that was how we that was how we survived um seppi knows that patrick is the one gay kid at the school um and uh he will that's the kind of friendship that probably when they're if patrick stays in the closet until he's in you know out of high school seppi will probably be fine with it uh but certainly he would not be the friend who stuck around if patrick came out right now um patrick's dad knows he's gay he will not address it because then at some point he's going to have to have like some pretty confronting thoughts about himself and some pretty confronting thoughts about um yeah, a lot of them i don't want to give away too much of the story but like I want I, I wanted to show that like the homophobia is there and there's a like that that complicated thing of as long as we don't have to talk about it we don't have to be openly homophobic um is, and and then and the different side of it from Oscar of like I didn't want it to be a story about hey religious people are bigoted uh religion is yeah. bad everyone else is cool and chill I wanted it to be here are two different forms of toxic masculinity that are playing out mm. as homophobia um but and they're they're wildly different that was so important but they are both terrible yeah and like, weirdly, like patrick has a much worse life than oscar but also um the 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 type of homophobia is so much less yeah and interestingly that was the sort of thing that is uh, alluded to in, in patrick's comic at the end he makes when he's like trying to express that, that sort of point what he's sort of observed from their lives and it's yeah again it's really interesting and like the language that they have even by the end of the book they can't talk about they can't talk about the idea of this being like a complicated relationship that might not last they can't talk about the idea of like oh i have these feelings for uh other boys it was just like they are teenage boys who don't know anything they have to assume that this is love that this is forever because that's how you you don't know what it's going to be but it has to be something mm. um and that that is what that is the state we're in with like comics are teenagers right now um media is is teenagers right now saying gay representation must be love by the way it's not that you can't have bad things happen to gay characters there used to be there was a joke on twitter maybe like a decade ago now where someone says uh I wish I could credit the original tweeter of this because it's very good. They said, um, oh, cool, you've, you've introduced a gay character. Have you decided how you're going to kill them yet? And because that was the state of things, like gay characters got to show up for a little while and then get murdered. And uh, because, you know, and usually they were murdered by some terrible bigots that would show that all the other characters were super not bigoted uh, because they didn't approve of murdering gays. <laughs> And so now we have, no, gays get to be alive, but only have one relationship ever and always. Um, uh, we, we, I, I wish for the day that we could have the complexity of, of, of Betty or Veronica for, for 
you know, for, for the gay community or um, Mary Jane or Gwen for the gay community, but it, it won't, it won't happen uh, for a, a long time. <laughs> I just can't imagine uh, that being able to be included. Like, I don't know. It's happening. It's happening in TV. I hope it happens in comics soon. I, it happens in indie comics. We get nuance in indie comics. It, it's it. Oh God, I hate. I hate. I hate to say it, but it is getting better technically. We get nuance in indie comics. Uh, it, it sounds. Well, I don't know why. I don't know. Why, I was about to say it rhymes. I don't know why I thought it rhymed because I said it out loud. I was like, wait, that doesn't rhyme. <laughs> I just complete it. It's like early. It's like early to. It's like early evening here. So yeah, I, I'm gonna blame it on that. Yeah, I don't. Nuance in indie. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. Anyway. Listen, this isn't a rhyming podcast. You don't have to apologize. Yeah, exactly. You never claim to be an expert on rhyming. Exactly. So one of the things that I thought was cool about the the book that I noticed, where at the end of every chapter it says to be continued, which I, I thought what was a fun idea because first of all, because of the the ideas of like that, that the comic within the comic, the like, the hero, like the superhero things, the obviously like to be continued, but but also it, it feels quite almost whimsical in a way because it's an autobiographic novel and it's not like it's something that's been like serialized, so you, you can just go on to read the next chapter. So there's no like necessarily obviously it's like to be continued in a couple of pages which you can go to. So there's not necessarily a like a practical use of it for this in the same way, but I thought it was quite a fun addition to the to the story. Just add add to that like classic like comics flair, just to give it more of that aesthetic. Apart from the segments of the meta comic itself. Yeah, I think that um, I think chapters chapters in a graphic novel need something because I think yeah. that if I mean I think it's why a lot of people end every chapter with a splash page because then they can it becomes clear of like that's that's the exclamation point on the end of that sentence um i don't particularly like using a lot of splash pages um if i can help it so i think the to be continued it becomes kind of a placeholder for that to say like again it's about the form of comics right it's about like making someone i gave someone three extra words to read so that there was a a actual gap between them seeing the end of that chapter and the beginning of the next one and uh it's it's seven chapters and it's there is actually you know there is i wanted to make the point of these are seven events these are seven moments the and and like there is time between them even though you get to read the next chapter immediately uh i mean i think that chapter chapter one is all in one day chapter two is the next day um but chapter three there's no clear amount of time between you know like i think it's implied that they have read a bunch of comics together at that point that they have come together every month. And like, you can see that the, the season has changed that the trees are turning orange and Brown. Um, but it's, it's, it's undefined as to exactly how long it's been. Um, and then, you know, chapter four there again, like it could, it could have been months. Um, in, in my mind, the entire right. story takes place yeah. over a five month period. Um, but the actual, uh, the, the, the actual, like, reality of it for for people reading it is they're going to read it in one afternoon um yeah. and then the to be continued on chat on, again I, I i hate that i keep talking in such detail because i know it's going to spoil the book for people but you know what they'll still enjoy it it's good um the end of chapter four the to be continued there is i want the, i want people to have the, the the moment of pause that 
Oscar and Patrick are having. Like that is that silence where they don't know what to do because chapter five picks up immediately where chapter four leaves off. Yeah. I like the idea that they've been standing silently staring at each other for, you know, three whole minutes or the length of the work to be continued. Yeah. I know. I think uh, it's just like putting that pause because there's been uh, a few times I've heard about the ideas of in, in a comic, the, the reader controlling the, the speed at which they experience it, whereas obviously with like film and TV, it's like a set duration. But with with the comics, you can read, you, you can sort of read it really fast, or you can sort of like read it really slow. And uh, it's hard for the create the creator has to find ways to uh, like guide the reader. I think mm. in terms of like how quickly or slow they want to to read it, and of course the that that would depend on like how much dialogue there is on the page or this sort of action or so that sort of thing. But that was definitely something when I, I was reading earlier when you, you have the kiss happening and then you have like the that 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 page of just of just the way you can like feel the like, emotional impact of it and it like it like physically sort of hits you with and you can like sit in that for a moment while you like swipe past or yeah. like flick past the or onto the next chapter. I I think yeah that is. That is right, and that is cool to to have to, to, to like in a, in a medium where it's quite it's difficult to make the reader have pauses apart from doing things like that. I, I thought it was quite an effective way of like ma- maintaining the tension. So even though if it does pick up straight up afterwards, you you still have the like weight of it and the tension of it, which just makes it sort of like land a bit better because you're not just sort of like, like like speeding through it i guess and like rushing it you, you can sort of take the moment to like take it in and absorb it and even if you're literally just again like reading it straight afterwards yeah i mean i've always said that like with digital comics i i want someone to develop and i'm sure someone actually has i'm sure i'm just stupid but i want someone to develop a way that you can turn a page when you're reading digitally whether it, like, and I, I want like to actually have it look like you're turning a page like click and drag from the bottom right corner of the page and turn it, you know, drag it across the left to make it turn whatever. Um, because just tapping or scrolling to get to the next thing is, it's not the same experience. It does not yeah. give you that in between moment of like, you know, like I said, comics exist. The action in comics exists in the gutters. You need the break to have your mind fill in what is, what is taking place. And uh, even if that break is only half a second, I think it, it, it makes a difference to the way you experience the book. It's why when you see these, like, uh, it, it, when you see comic strips that are like four panels in a row, and it's a fundamentally different experience than a square of two and two. Um, if you read the square of two and two and the reveal is a visual gag, then you've seen that visual gag at the same time that you're looking at panel one. You yeah. will not get you it's like someone saying to you okay i've got the joke this joke the punchline is that it's this now let me tell you how we get there yeah yeah it, it, it is really it's really fascinating to me and to you as well you know, how the, the nitty-gritty of these things mm. but you know it's also that th- there is a way that you can get too bogged down in this stuff and then you make very yeah. bad comics because they become only about this um, yeah that's a balance yeah it's it's about like every comic we, what we are talking about right now is all the stuff that should be invisible to the reader. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not cleverer or better at comics if you can notice every single trick that someone's using. Um, and if the tricks are noticeable, the comic isn't that great. But 
I think it's worth thinking about this stuff. I think as a comic creator, it, it is is it's the thing that makes it the forever puzzle that I said right at the start. Yeah. So, yeah. So to, to pivot slightly before we wrap up, what's it been like working with fan base press um, to, to, to publish this and on its journey? They have been great. Um, I approached them specifically because like, I see the kind of outreach they do about their books. Um, you know, I think everyone has these ideas of like, if I can get my book with a publisher, then my work is done. Um, and, you know, I, I have books with Scholastic and Penguin and uh, an awful company that I won't say the name of and various other publishers along over the years who have done like absolutely nothing to promote the books. Or as soon as like they're like, look, if this book takes off, we will then do the work to promote it because we want to make more money from it. Right. Um and I've also worked with publishers who have put in the effort to do the outreach and things. And, and, you know, and I know, I know also from self-publishing how much work that really is. Uh, I notice fan base press, not for the books they'd put out, but for how much they talk about the books they've put out. And um, so I was aware of them before I'd read any books that I'd actually published, which is uh, like from, from a writer's perspective, that's a really good sign. Um, and they are genuinely good people who are trying to put out the best books they can po possibly put out. They put out one book a year and they treat the book with respect and the time that it deserves and they make great stuff. Um, so I approached them for, for, for that specifically, like, because I was like, this, this book can't be one of a thousand titles coming out this year from someone. This has to be the thing that they're going to focus on. And, um, yeah, as an editor, Barbara is fantastic. Uh, she does a very good job of making me feel like every good idea is my own. Um, she knows how to ask questions about a script to make me go, "Oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that." And uh, the only like the, the, the there's a whole extra chapter in this book because Bryant um, asked one question. Like he just, he says, "Like how do we know this?" And I was like, "Oh, you're right. It's that I know this, so I assume everyone else does." And right. the entire chapter two, where uh, Patrick is actually uh, when he when he draws Telecos on the whiteboard and Sharpie. Um, by the way, that I'm very happy with that, that. Like there was there was a note from Barbara in the script because I just had him like use a regular whiteboard marker, and she just wrote, "Wouldn't Patrick use a Sharpie?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's the exact kind of chaotic thing that he would he would do." Yeah, so yeah. there's a close up on him taking the Sharpie out of the teacher's drawer, and also like it's very clear he, he goes and looks for it and it's it's never addressed he doesn't say i'm going to do a bad thing it's all just in the background while he's talking um mm. but you also can see that there are um there are whiteboard markers sitting there on the like whiteboard tray that he could have used so that makes me very happy but that whole chapter is there because brian was like how how would how will people know that patrick drew this the, the comic at the end and I was like, oh, because Patrick can obviously draw. And I was like, well, but we, we never see him <laughs> drawing anything. We never see him do anything at all. And then, like, you know, there's the scene where Patrick's dad finds the, the drawing of Telecos and, like, crumples it up, um, which I wanted, like, that was actually added later as well as a kind of note of Patrick doesn't just go home and sit in his room and wait for Oscar to show up again. He, he has a life. He has goals mm -hmm. and ambitions. He doesn't know what they are yet. But he has obviously... I guess stood at his dresser and 
tried to draw the best picture he could of Telecos from an action figure. Um, so like they, they, they really, the two of them together, Barbara and Bryant, just, they found the ways to make the, to make the characters feel more real, or at least get across to the, the, the readers, um, the stuff that is, has been in my head for a decade. So I didn't feel like I needed to tell anyone. Yeah. That's, that's interesting to hear about. So this might be an, uh, an, an obvious question considering how much we've talked about the past hour and a half, about how much it means to you. But beyond the sort of that, that sort of like the surface level things of like, like the New Zealand setting and like the, like the queerness of the, the characters, is there anything in, in particular that you very like sort of as explicitly and personally see yourself and you sort of write yourself into the, into the characters or. Um, no, I, I really didn't actually. Um, you know, I, I, the, the other books that I've put out recently are like a memoir and then a follow-up to the memoir about with, with right. backstory stuff. Like I've, I've done a lot of comics about me in the past couple of years. Um, and Black Sand Beach is very much about a character based on me as a kid. Um, except that I was excited to find ghosts when I was a kid. And this, this, this kid is scared of them like a big dummy. Um, but you know, you can't write horror if the characters aren't afraid. Um, Patrick, like I'm a, I guess like the, the closest I would say is that I never had to come out to anyone. Um, I now as a, as a 38 year old, I describe myself as too lazy to be bisexual. Um, so if, if people want to call me gay, that's fine. Uh, and that becomes pretty changeable month to month and year to year. But like, I was just a, I was just a bisexual kid who never, it never occurred to me to tell anyone. No one was paying much attention to what I was doing. Cause my, my older sister is like a real, I mean, she's a sort of disaster of a person now, but, uh, back then she was far worse. And so I was able to get away with everything I, you know, ever did. So I was living a very openly, mostly gay life. Uh, and because I never said it out loud, apparently nobody noticed. Um, I just assumed everyone knew what I was doing all of the time. So I, I guess there's a little bit of that in, in Patrick and the way that people just know that he's gay and don't mention it. Um, but I, yeah, there's, aside from the visuals of it being like, this is a school that it looks, it looks like the high school I went to because I have the, the memory to, to make that clear. Um, and it, um, you know, it's, it's the town I grew up in and, and all of that stuff. But no, I'm not, I'm not really like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big sloppy dirtbag of a person and I kind of always have been. So the, the, I can tap into how other people feel when they're like being very repressed or, or very secretive or discovering things about themselves. But uh, I never, I never actually had that part. I have no coming out story. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And it's like a lot, like a wide breadth of, um, experiences that people have just like like getting into comics themselves or, or, or anything in life it's it's always fun to, to just to hear about how yeah how to like wide wider range people's experiences are because like i feel like personally i sort of know that but then um sometimes you, you you sort of actually sort of see it in context then you're like it just sort of reaffirms it and like puts it in perspective i don't know yeah yeah i mean it's it's Look, every every coming out story we see in the media is someone tearfully explaining to their parents that they are gay, bi, whatever. Um, 
and the parents either react with absolute horror and it becomes a big drama or they say that's okay and everyone cries and hugs um there are other it's the same thing as we talked about before mainstream media is not ready to have these nuanced stories um there is not going to be a character who never has to come out there is not going to be a character who uh gets to change their sexuality month to month or year to year depending how they're feeling like it just it's but that that's a part of real life and i want to make stories about characters like that so that they can um so that people like me or people like whoever else people who aren't like me people who are anywhere on any kind of spectrum of anything can see it and go oh oh i relate to this character that's neat i haven't seen that before yeah i think yeah yeah it's 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 fun sometimes when you yeah as you as you say even within sort of the umbrella of comics of like lgbt like characters and representations or just any minority in representation really when you've it, it sort of it it sort of sounds it's probably a better way to put it but where it's like it's like i know like gay characters and, and then you sort of do like a different like version of that that's sort of slightly different and it's able to be a bit more as as we've talked about a nuanced or just you know have a different take and like oh like oh that is interesting it's even someone that has already luckily had that experience of like that, that representation can sort of see it in like a different light or a different type of it and, and i think that's it sort of speaks to some, maybe something that we, we definitely need to see it's not just representation but like varied representation and then of course nuance that we've talked about but it's, yeah, of course, it's, it, not, it's a whole issue it's like I mean, there's there's bad corporate interests that like hold these things back but it's also yeah it's a very hard thing to do. I mean, you can't look at um, you can't look at the character of Jay and be like, "Oh, that's definitely like like you look at Jay, uh, John Kent's boyfriend, and you're like, "Oh, that is a gay character." We know by looking like that is because comics and cartoons are based on platonic ideals. We have to make things look like the things they are, so they're as quickly recognized by the the reader as possible. That is right. that is that is the whole point of comics. It's why comics is it's comic form. It's why they're good, but um, you know it it becomes very difficult when uh, if every gay character looks like ten uh, obvious pieces of clothing and hair choices, uh, you know, combined and recontextualized over and over again, um, then that becomes what gay people look like. That becomes what like what does a lesbian look like? What does a gay person look like? There there are not real answers to these questions in real life but the more we see them recycled in uh, as simple answers in comics and film and tv uh the more it becomes reflected in real life because suddenly all of the all of the gay men of a certain age have the same haircut or all wear shirts that are cropped in the same way and then suddenly you have a bunch of us who don't fit into those shapes and sizes who feel really alienated by that community again. And the, the cycle continues. And then these conversations happen and we, you get splintering of communities. You know, I remember one year the, the pride parade in New Zealand was, was bear themed. And um, my friend said, it's, it's so unfair. He's like, I, I work, I work so hard to be skinny and pretty. And the beauty standard for bears is sort of, drink beer and eat a lot of steak and i don't know that seems relaxing i'm like well sure and you're kind of right um and i'm very happy that i get to drink beer and eat steak but at the same time like wouldn't it be nice if i mean 10 years ago bears were considered like 
they, they were kind of the, the 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 roughest part of the of the gay representation that you'd see, and now they've become the most family friendly and cute. And uh, actually, quite frankly, I would like the representation to go back to being more like what I see life being, which is not family friendly, cuddly, and cute. Um, John Kent is never going to date a bear. I'm gonna I'll I'll bet you a thousand dollars John Kent will never date a bear. Yeah. But, like how how else do you do it? Like like how do you have a character? How do you have a character be gay without them having to say, hi, I'm a gay character or without using the 10 tricks of this is how a gay character looks? Um, I am writing I, 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 a book came out uh, through Blue Fox uh, Publishing in the UK last year called Shed. And I have it's about uh, an elderly lesbian woman um, who may or may not be a sea monster. Um, I, I'm not going to sit here and promote that book uh but it's a very good book i'm very proud of it but there is no there is no need for me to say that the main character in that book the other the other character amber um the the young woman who moves to the town i never have to say amber is straight because that is the default amber can look like anything or behave like anything and as long as i never say anything then amber is forever straight if I want Fran to be a lesbian, I have to spend some like quality time thinking about, okay, what will a lesbian look like in this comic and how will people know? Or do I have to say it? Um, eventually I had her just like, I showed her on a date with a woman, but it, you know, it, like then you get criticized from people being like, oh, why did you have to shove gay stuff? I had a, an editor once um, who, while hosting a book launch for my children's comic, at a strip club called Plan B, and while offering to buy me a lap dance from one of the strippers, asked me very sincerely, "Why do why do you gay people have to like force gay culture into everyone's faces all the time?" I'm like, "You're literally like a woman's literally pushing her tits in my face right now because of the event you've planned. Like, do you not understand how this?" But you know, like he never will. He's an idiot. Um, it's so yeah. It's 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 just really hard. I guess is the answer. It's incredibly nuanced and incredibly hard. And the more representation we have, the more accurate the world becomes. Like, like, sure, right now we have nice gays having nice lives with one boyfriend each. Um, but maybe there will be a tipping point where that doesn't have to be the story anymore. Maybe we will get, like, you know, I, I think that it comes through in memoir. You see books like The Alcoholic, which is one of the best comics I've ever read, um, which covers bisexuality and problematic sex and and drinking and drug use and a sloppy mess of a character who is being a sloppy mess. And it feels real. Um, and maybe we just need 4,000 more of those and then we'll get to start having it in, in other stuff. And then we'll be able to have, like, I don't know, a gay character, a new gay character who doesn't look gay. And maybe it's maybe it's a, a worm eating its own tail because, of course, like as soon as we have that, that character will become iconic, and then that will become a new part of what the gay look is, and it'll be adopted and, and brought into the gay community, and then reflected by other characters later. And I'll have the same complaint. So I don't have the answer, I guess. Yeah, Oscar I think... doesn't look gay, but I think it's pretty clear Patrick looks gay. I'm guilty of the thing I'm complaining about. He has green hair and he's very skinny. Like, I think also stems from the problems that you um that like when you start thinking about the, about the asexual side of things when you have asexual people then because i was thinking as you were talking like the easiest way to portray characters as 
gay or at least queer in whatever form that might take mm-hmm. is to like just like show them in, 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 in like in a relationship or show them like having a crushes on each other or developing affection in in a way that you would um have like a straight relationship mm. but then but but then you still come across the other problem which is like well yes but how do you show like both characters se- separately the same thing like se- tell you the same thing about them without having to necessarily like just uh, sort of go yeah. to like that the, the, the easy way of just like oh it, because they're in a romantic relationship they must be but then, so then, but then, how do you do that without either portraying them as like in a romantic relationship, just as like an easy way of doing it, and not falling into all that the the things you talked about, or all the stereotypes and like it's just it's just yeah, yeah. And, and, so, look, and and maybe you've won me over, and maybe maybe the flags are the easiest system. Um, I don't know. It's it. Uh, I just I just wish that we didn't. It didn't have to be. Um, you know, I, I wrote a script years ago and uh, for a Blastosaurus issue where um, they go into this bomb maker's apartment and the thing is there is a, the, the bomb that he's made is hidden inside a cuckoo clock. And in my script, I actually wrote the words, the apartment has a, a suspicious lack of cuckoo clocks, which makes no sense. Like, no one's going to look at an apartment and go, like, oh, that's weird. There's no cuckoo clock. Like, of course there is. <laughs> Um, but like, but my entire story hinged on the idea that people would notice that and then put together when they saw the cuckoo clock somewhere else, be like, that must be the bomb from that guy's apartment. No, it's bad writing. I, I made a mistake. I forgot that because I have a cuckoo clock doesn't mean that everyone else does too. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. How do you, how do you have characters having a suspicious lack of sex? How do you have characters, um, you know, like how do these things become normal parts of stories unless the stories are entirely about those things? Uh, then do you get relegated? You know, we, we, the LGBT community is constantly fighting for space. Like every, every subgroup of that community is fighting for space and has been for a very long time. And one thing we need to stop doing is giving up that space once it becomes difficult or once it becomes bad for another reason. Um, you know, you see, uh, like, Substack is becoming the obviously the the big front runner for newsletters and and what have you and blogs, and Substack also uh, does not police against like transphobia, hate speech, racism. It is awful. They are a terrible company. But the reality is they are the company that everyone is using. And my and uh, look and people will disagree with me on this, and that's fine. And I'm I, like I'm happy to be I'm happy to be told differently because like I I could just be off on this. But my feeling on it is that uh, that's not a reason to not use Substack. That's not a reason to, to, to get off that platform. In fact, it's a reason to be on that platform and not do that shitty thing. Like, drown out the things. Don't leave Twitter because Elon Musk is an asshole. Stay on Twitter because it's the place where you have a community. And, it, like, why should assholes get to kick us out? Mm, and it, it gets yeah. really complicated because, of course, we're giving them money. Of course, we're helping them by mm. being there. Um, and... And that feels gross, but like, like, like Twitter is a great example uh, because right now there is nowhere else that I can talk to most of my comic book friends. There is no other platform that has been built that works. There are various other versions of Twitter like Mastodon and, and Hive and things that don't work and don't have the numbers. So I have to make the choice of do I abandon all of my friends, 
give up the community that I've built and go to a place where none of those people will really be and take the risk that two months from now that platform will be gone? Or do I stay on Twitter, keep tweeting, keep tweeting, you know, stuff against the bad stuff, keep talking to people and being available as the person that people can find to talk about comics or gay stuff or whatever other topic I happen to be going on a rant about that day. Like, I think there's more value in being there. I'm, I'm not giving up that space. Like, we, we don't all move out of our houses just because landlords are evil. That's, like, yeah, we that's can a find a place where we, this we should stay. Yeah. It's, I mean, also yeah. do everything you can to not give your landlord money, you know. <laughs> I will yeah, never pay for I Twitter ads. I'll never pay for Twitter Blue, but like, well, I'll yeah, I will. I will be there to like to talk to my friends because where mm-hmm. there's no there isn't anywhere else, and it's frankly it's not up to me to build a new platform. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot to think about. I mean, again, like I'm 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 very happy to be corrected on this. Like I I may just have bad thinking, but that is that is how I constantly feel when I see like how hard it is to find and, and like physical or digital space just to be um, that it's, it's, it is worth sticking around in a place where just, just because the adults don't want you in the room doesn't mean you sh- shouldn't stay and make a noise. Yeah. I mean, I don't even, even, even before the Elon Musk took over Twitter, I, I didn't really look at my home feed. I just like to look at uh, uh, like a certain like a list of accounts as like a dozen yeah. or two accounts, which I, I want to keep up with. And so I, I literally just, um, like I, I just, I, I can have, where I've done, where I can have like a feed where it's literally just them. And I can, I can just look at everything that they've, they've been up to and they like come off again, or I can use it to like promote new podcast episodes or, or, or whatever. So it, it's, yeah, it, it's definitely a, a take that's worth thinking about. I can, uh, I think I, I definitely agree in some in some ways and definitely see a lot of the thinking behind it, but obviously not everyone would agree. But I think it's at least again some, something important and there's important to think about. Sure. Yeah, I mean it's it, it is it's obviously incredibly complicated because we don't want to be supporting these things. But it's like you know when when Kickstarter announced a, a couple of years ago now or a year or so ago that they were moving uh, part of their like backend security stuff to blockchain. And everyone got up in arms and were like, we're going to leave Kickstarter. And of course, like Kickstarter kind of walked it back a little. And like, that's the kind of, you, you make you make the right kind of noise and and like companies listen and they change things. I don't think Elon Musk is going to change anything by listening to others, but like, that's a whole other problem. Um, but like, let's let's use the LGBT comic community as an example here, because it's something I'm part of. So I feel I'm okay to talk about um, the majority of the content coming from independent, independently published LGBT comic creators is probably being funded through Kickstarter at this point. Like that is a huge way for us to change the, the conversation around what is in comics and influence what will become the mainstream over time. There is no other place to do that. If you leave Kickstarter, the truth is it cuts down the amount of those comics that are going to be published. The other platforms don't have the audience. So suddenly 90% of the good stuff is just going to not happen at all instead. And that is far worse than like accepting that you're going to be as a part, like on a platform that uses a system you don't like and for good reasons, but like you're, it, it, I don't know. I, I don't want to be the person who's like the ends justify the means, but when you're scrapping just to exist, uh, I think that it's, 
it's not worth giving up. It's not it's not worth walking away from spaces so easily. It's, yeah, it's better to stay and fight even when it's unpleasant. It, it makes me and we just keep going back to at least I keep going back to the point we made about nuance and and all of that that we we talked about. But it's also what, like the complicated parts of when you and this can be applied in like wider context as well. But in terms of this specific con, specific context, if you don't like the type of representation that you're seeing in like big two comics because and luckily these days it's expanded a, a bit mm-hmm. um but there's still like only maybe like a few series like at, at most like a few sort of like notable series was like these are the ones with the, the, the queer characters or whatever mm-hmm. so it's like if you don't um if you don't like the representation there and that that's that's not to say that a comic book will be representative of like everyone's experience because that's just impossible whatever yeah. comic it is but if you think it's like it's sort of very, very like corporate led and like it could be much better especially if it was led by a, like a, a voice from someone in the community to be more authentic and my point being if you like if you stop buying that and and the lesson and like the sales tank, if like lots of people agree with you, and the lesson that's taken away isn't we need to make better yeah, LGBT representation, but we need to decrease yeah. the amount of it. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's it's look, I I think that all of us at some point in our lives have supported things that we don't really like because we're just glad it exists in some form. Um and it's a it's a sign that more could and maybe a good one will come along later um but i don't think that's exclusive to marginalized groups i think that like yeah. there's a lot of people out there who are buying you know shitty batman runs for decades well, yeah, they, exactly. like, they don't want batman to go away like uh, if you really like spider-man and all his fun friends you just keep buying the spider-man books until it becomes one you enjoy again it's like like you <sighs> yes. said that not every that's comic amazing. is going to amaze you mm-hmm. Some of them you're just supporting for the sake of supporting comics, or some of them, you know, like no one likes to go and see a school musical, but parents go along because they hope their kids might get better at singing when they're adults. Sorry, there's a, a church bell ringing next door. It will go on for forever uh, because there's no logic to how many times it chimes, no matter what time of day it is. I think it's it's noon right now here, so it'll probably be like 40, 42 chimes, maybe. But it's probably a good sign that we should wrap this up because we've been talking for two hours and you're going to have to edit this, I guess. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. So there's a, a, a couple of final points. The first point is, do you want, do you want to go through any, any details about, um, well, any other details that you haven't mentioned yet in the in, in the two hours or, and then what people can do to, to buy it? Cause I, and, I think, and then the, it says on the... When you, when you go through to buy it on the fan base press site, it says that pre-orders will be fulfilled on or before July 15th. Mm-hmm. That sounds all right to you as a, as a release date? Yeah, actually, during this interview, um, I got an email from Barbara saying that the um, the books are now on a ship uh, heading towards America. So as of April 20th, 2023, the books are probably going to arrive in, a, in the port of Los Angeles within the next four to five weeks uh and they will be in our hands and ready for shipping out the pre-orders by early june so yeah yeah we're 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 on track and frankly at the moment shipping seems to be going a lot faster 
uh, and there don't seem to be any any fingers crossed this stays true. But uh, I've I've just had two books arrive in the past uh, month, and both of them have arrived early and uh, been held at the docks for far less time than usual. So I'm I'm very optimistic. Um, people can get it at. Um, I, I I want to just double check this before I say it out loud. I think it's fourcolorheroes.com. Do you know if that's right? I th- yeah, I think fourcolorheroes.com, or if you just go to fanbasepress.com, um, you can find it there. Um, I am still on Twitter as at Richard Fairgray. I'm the only Richard Fairgray in the world, so if you see anything about that name, it's definitely about me. Um, and I have, th- this This will be my 276th, uh, hang on, what order? Yeah, th- no, this will be my 275th book to be released. So there's plenty of other stuff out there by me if you enjoy my uh, waffling, rambling ideas that are fairly unfocused at this point in the day. Um, but Four Color Heroes is it's a 170-page graphic novel about two boys falling in love through comic books. And it is the hardest book I've ever made, and it's probably the best book I've ever made. Um, and I say that while my other books can see me and they're judging me for hating them. Um but yes, people should go to fourcolorheroes.com and pre-order that now. Or and if you pre-order it, you get a um, a print which I uh, put together the other day. That is, it's based on one of the chapter covers, but uh, a little bit tweaked because I like to change things. Um, and that will be signed and limited and numbered and all of that kind of stuff. So that's for pre-orders only. And then we'll be at a bunch of different comic conventions to sell it and what have you. Um, and I guess that's kind of every detail I have. Nice. And you said, you said they might get to you by early June. Did you mean June or did you mean July? I meant June. Cool. Yeah. It's it, like they put July 15th cause they yeah. were, like, you know, at, at the point where you're sending it away to the printers, there can always be delays. Right. Um, yeah. and the pre-orders have been up since I think December. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, no, it's we are we are ahead of schedule, um, nice. which is honestly shocking considering how much longer the book took to make than I told them it would. And uh, yeah, it just it, it feels really good that somehow we made up all the time and then some. Nice, yeah. So uh, I think this is this should go out in in, in June. It should be Pride Month now. Um, so it, it might might already it might already be out, or it, hopefully it'll be out very soon. And is uh, I think I know the answer to this, but it's fanbasepress.com and com is that, that the only place to, to get the book? Uh, at the moment, yeah. It'll be okay. uh, digitally. It'll be available. Um, I think I I assume you can buy it. I don't know anything about digital comics. I assume you can buy a digital version as well. Um, it'll be released the same day. Um, and it will be on uh, Hoopla. If you have a library card in America, then you can get Hoopla and read it for free. Um, and... Beyond that, I'm not sure what kind of like what what kind of big plans there will be for for distribution and things, but it will always be available to purchase online or from us at conventions. Nice, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. I know this is a bit of, bit of a big thing to drop right at the end of the interview, but I, as I talked about, I was instantly hooked as like a, a, not not a teenager anymore, but I was still very young. A gay man with a boyfriend, and we're both sort of into comic books. I was like instantly bonded with the the, the story, and it, and it did not disappoint. So it's been a great time talking to you. I really enjoyed the thank you. Lots of wild and 
various places that we've gone this conversation i hope people have enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed talking yeah again like we, we we're we're talking about nuanced and complicated things like there are no easy answers um but i hope that this book can make some of those answers feel easier for some people welcome back i hope you enjoyed that conversation unfortunately that's all we've got time for on this episode i want to thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed the episode please rate and review the show five stars wherever you're listening i would really appreciate it if you want to keep up to date on new episodes please subscribe and if you have any questions comments or suggestions you can email the show at joetalkscomics.gmail.com additionally if you need any back issues ratio variants core variants or just anything in general cool stuff to do with comics you can check out the website for Beaders Thingamajiggets, the comic book store in Fort Collins, Colorado, and my Tibby's Comics works at, and use Joe Loves Comics at checkout to get 15% off. I don't get any money for that, it's just a cool thing for you to use if you want to yeah, check out their site and if you see anything that you like. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Joe Talks Comics, and finally, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joe Loves Comics, where we can continue talking comics. That's all for now, and I hope to see you next time. Bye.